Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. Today I have the amazing, you're going to love this woman, the amazing Sandra Estock on the show. And she has an incredible story. You will not believe the story. So stay with us. And when I come back, I'm going to bring Sandra on. And we are back. Let me go ahead and bring Sandra on. Sandra, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much, Ken. I was just sharing my my this interview for you in my page. Uh, so so uh, I'm so happy to be here. And I'm so happy so to have you here. So um, Sandra, I started this about four, a little over four years ago. And this show is literally about helping people have a breakthrough in life. Um, I do believe that people go through life, they have bad things happen, and then they get stuck in those bad things and they can't get unstuck and they don't know which way to turn. And I truly believe that by hearing other people's stories, that's where hope comes from. And they, they you know, are empowered to break, have their own breakthroughs. So why don't we start with where you were born and raised? Absolutely. And and before I say that, I so resonate with what you're saying, Kent. I believe stories connect us. And when we relate, you know, it, it might not be the same for, for you. You might not have exactly the same experience, but the feeling of yeah. the story, you know, yeah. the, the what it is that you went through, the challenge, the circumstances are all similar. And, yeah. you know, I believe we all have a story. And yeah. Yeah. some of us just have more colors in our stories right. than others, and right. that's okay. Right. Um, so for me, where you know how how everything started, I, I will say you know there are many points in my life that were significant and and um, signature times or, or defining moments, if you you'll say, but I, I, I want to share one that I think it's one of the most impactful ones because it shaped the rest of my life. And I was 11 years old when my mom and I were evicted. Where were you, so, where were you born and raised though? I was born and raised in Venezuela. Venezuela. In okay. okay. Yes. And living in the country, you know, I, I just have that, that memory so vividly. Mm. Um, so being evicted and not having a place, it's one of the mo those scary moments. And yeah. the only, the only place that my mom could afford to pay was, um, living in a shack. And I just remember that shack wow. didn't have any water, running wow. water, or even a bathroom inside. Wow. And, you know, that was not the bad thing, Ken, the what what was the challenge is that the other houses around where I live were normal houses, nice houses. So it was that 
I think the the gift that I received at the moment was to see how other possible things or how other how other houses or other kids have been living their life and in a way helped me to aspire to to get better of course that also created a you know bullying and all sorts of things right. and that i think that's where where my my life changed yeah and i will share more uh, as well, you ask <clears throat> so this happened the eviction happened you said it was just your mom not you your so your parents weren't together so i i grew up with a st stepfather so when i was okay. born um my mom left me with my grandparents who mm. were extremely poor and they have 12 other children so my mom had to go and find the means to sustain me so she had to leave i was a month or so um when when she left and my father wasn't in the picture at the time got it Got so it. I really reunited with my mom about four years old. Wow. And my life with a stepfather in the picture now, you know, was wow. completely different. So, so from the age of being born until you were four, you were with your grandparents, all yeah. of this in Venezuela. Um, and, and we've all heard nightmare stories about Venezuela, how, um, you know, the, it's a very, I mean, I don't know if it still is, but I know it was at one point a very, very poor country. Um, but you, so you, you were four years old and you were reunited with your mom. Did you even realize though, that she was your mom? I mean, that had to feel weird. It was weird, definitely, but um, I think I, I did see my mom once in a while. Oh, okay. Okay. So yes, so she came and to visit. Um, okay. And I, I think that the um, there is that that connection that somehow you always have, regardless of where whether you know your parents are your parents yeah. or not. And I and I say this because as an adult, I connected with my biological father, and we have this special relationship. And somehow, it's so interesting, Ken, when you have not. I, I did not live with him. I did not. Um, he did not raise me, but I could see him. I could see myself in him. And I have things that I do that he does. And it's so weird. It's like, oh, my yeah. God, he moves the leg this way or does this thing. And I do that. And, you know, that it's just something yeah. you don't have to learn. You, I think that's a genetic or it comes yeah. part of you somehow. So at four years old, you reunited with your mom. I, I'm assuming that means you moved in with her and, and lived yeah. with her. Um, and was it in the same place until you were 11 and, and got evicted? Yeah. So not in the same place. Oh. Um, I travel. I mean, there, there are so many details that I think if we just go through the details, we'll be probably yeah. spending yeah. up. Yeah. the whole hour just in the details but yeah. i i i did travel um for many days until i got reunited with my mom and wow. you know from there live with my stepfather and then we moved a lot because he was in the military and so i really never had a very stable um environment so right. not really close friends or, or i 
every year change schools and and you know that that type of life somehow I think prepare me for for the life that I have today because yeah. I can adapt really fast to any environment and it allowed me to be very flexible. Yeah. Yeah. So 11 years old, you are um, living with your mom. Was your stepfather in the picture still? He was still in the picture. Okay. In and out. Um, okay. So we moved to the, to the shack and Jeez. one day, um, you know, the, in the street where, where that shack was located, yeah, kids always play. Yeah. They always play volleyball. And I right. and I just remember, you know, the shack was a, a square box. It really it had it was divided in two. Um imagine a rectangle divided in two by a by a very thin wall. And it had one door on the right side and one door in the left side, and a tiny window on the right side. And there were two families that were living in this shack that were mm. just separated by the wall in the middle. Wow. So we were living in the in the right side of the of the shack. So this I, I got to have the tiny window. Wow. And I just remember watching kids playing volleyball and I never seen sports. I, you know, at, at that moment in my life, I've just moved so many, you know, for so for so many reasons that it fascinated me and I really wanted to play. So I, I went, I asked one time, can I play? And one of the kids yelled, you know, get out of here. You are, uh, you live in an ugly shack, you know, loser. You'll never be one of us. And I remember as I was just going back, you know, with sadness and, and, you know, I, I don't yeah. even remember exactly the emotions. Another kid said, Hey, 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 don't worry less. Of course, um, you know, you can join us and play with us. Now we're wow. just going to play a new game. And this game where everyone is in a circle. And so the first person who drops the ball has to kneel in the center and everyone hits that person with the ball. Wow. So, um, of course, after many bruises and a broken pride, um, I went home. Wow. And I just remember this is the defining moment. And, and I, you know, for, for you that are listening, sometimes the messages that we receive and they are so clear and it's just, we might not understand them, but they can change our life. Yeah. Because yeah. for me at 11 years old, instead of crying, what happened was I remember my teacher who a week before sharing our class and she said, happiness is a choice because you are the architects of your own life. And I, for some reason, that was the, 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 that, the those were the words that were in my mind. Yeah. yeah. And I just decided at that moment, you know what, I'm going to choose happiness no matter what. And I'm going to play volleyball. I'm going to do, I'm going to take ownership and I'm going to do the things that I can create because I can create my life. I'm my own architect. And, you know, miracles happen and little by little things started to change. I got a job and I bought my first volleyball. And <laughs> You're like, and I'm going to throw it at some kid's face now. <laughs> and I remember I just practiced every single day against the wall oh, of my wow. shack. 
and I learned to play and I joined well, How long did you live in the shack? I lived in the shack until I was 16 years old when we were evicted. Five again. years. Yeah. And, so, um, and you, until you were what? 16. Okay. 16 and years old. So we were evicted again. From the shack. From the shack. Yes. Evicted from a shack. Yeah. Because wow. the owner passed away. Oh. And then when he, he didn't have any relatives until he passed away and all the relatives came and um, the, the shack was in his land. So he, there, there was a big house that he owned and the shack was just something he oh. built to get some income. So Got when it. he passed away, um, the family that show up just said, get out of here and wow. we have to leave. Jeez. And where so did you go? We moved with my stepfather's relatives. And so that I was just graduating from high school. I just remember this so vividly, vividly. Um, so I graduated from high school and because I couldn't afford to pay for for college, what I decided to do was to join uh, a government program that Venezuela had. And it was for kids that graduated or that were under 18 years old. And it, for a year, that program will teach you a skill. So in for women, it was to become a secretaries. And for men, it was, you know, you could be a mechanic or an electrician assistant. And so it yeah. was that type of um, program. So in my case, becoming a secretary was one of the best things that could happen. I, I joined the program and got an internship right away in a major wow. company. Wow. And yes. you were how old? I was, when I got the job, I was 17. So I, I was a year in the program. And then part of the program was to get an internship for a year and a half or two. Okay. Um, so my internship was at Heinz, you know, Heinz, the ketchup company. Wow. <laughs> yes. From Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> yes, it is. And I'm yeah. close now. Yeah. And I just remember, you know, hearing about Pittsburgh. Now, you know, I'm an hour away from it. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> so um, how long did you work there? I worked there for two years. Okay. But now this is the magical moment that, again, I think magical things happen to you yep. when you are open to them. And yeah. so I, I just love to share this story with you, Ken. Yeah. And with you that, that is listening, because again, there are miracles every day in our life. We just have yeah. to see them and um, take advantage of, of those messages that you receive. And I think yeah. we all do. Yeah. So um, it was, I was already probably a year in the program in, in yeah. as an intern. And I was with one of the admins in the company. I, I, you know, every every executive had an administrative assistant, and I was kind of the um, the intern that will help that admin to perform her job. So I will make copies. I will do this. You know, I will type some memos, and um, I was learning a lot. I mean, computers. Yeah. I was fascinated by them. So one day, um, one of the executive assistants um, asked me to bring an envelope to a hotel to the, you know, 
just just deliver an envelope. So I hop in a taxi that the company had there. And I remember she just said, just go deliver this envelope to this person. So I get to the hotel and Ken, I never seen a place like that. Like I'd never seen a hotel, a lobby. It was a five-star <laughs> hotel and I'm entering and I'm like, I'm watching the, the, the chandelier, the flowers. I mean, it's like super real for me to see a place like that. Yeah. And I thought it was only movies that places like that existed. Wow. And I enter and I remember the bellboy walks me through the restaurant area where the man is waiting for the envelope. So I get there, I deliver the envelope and he grabs the envelope. He look at me and somehow for some reason he said, Sandra, just sit down, have breakfast, charge it to my room. And he walk away. Why? And I, Ken, I stood there like I'm like I, I I don't know how my face <laughs> probably he figured I'd never seen something like that. There was a buffet. This <laughs> place was amazing. I never seen that much food in my life. Wow. So, and I just like okay, I sit down and uh, and I you know pour a lot of things in my plate and I'm sitting and I'm enjoying the feast. But then people started to show up for breakfast. So it was very early. Yeah. And I could see like people wearing suits and I, I and I'm looking, I'm glancing at them and I'm at one of the table, there was a woman with a small computer. And I mean, it was like a moment where I was in a different time or in a different space. And as I'm seeing them, I saw myself and started to visualize Mm. that I'm one of them, that I have I have a suit and I'm carrying a briefcase with a small computer and that I'm mm. traveling the world and that I see myself becoming, you know, one of them. And I thought of my brother and my mom. At, at mm. the time I had, a, my brother was just a year old. So it was brand, you know, we had a brand yeah. new baby in the family. And I thought how they were counting on me, Ken. And I just said, I'm going to become a businesswoman. Exactly uh, the same way that I decided to play volleyball. And I decided in that moment, becoming a businesswoman was the way for me to go. And wow. from there, my life just shifted. And so, me, okay. I'm so, so in that moment, first, I imagine you, I hope, hopefully you left there with a very full belly. I did. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. I did. So, I want to. I want to talk about this for a minute because I. I think you know I've had other people on the show over the years that that are from third world countries that that you know look people in the United States here in America cannot relate to that they can't relate like you were evicted from not a really nice house, but from a shack, like a shack and, mm -hmm. and evicted from there. And then you, you know, as I can't like, did you have anything to compare it to? Like you were living in this shack for all those years. Did, did you know that there was better or more available? Did you know that? I knew because my shack was the only ugly house. Everything else was 
was a regular family home. So as I saw oh how God. kids were leaving, wow. I mean, I, I, I remember like, I never knew about brands. Like just pick that, that example. I had never think about branded shoes or branded clothing, but everyone in my neighborhood was like branded. And I was like, what is that? Like, you know, up until that moment when I moved into that shack, yeah. even though it was, you know, it was, it was, it was a, a difficult for me. It wasn't the same, an opening opportunity to see things I wouldn't seen otherwise. Right. And I think, you know, yes, I, 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 I see your point about, you know, it's different here in the U.S., but you can relate to struggle. You can oh, relate yeah. to, you know, being different or feeling yeah. um, that you don't belong. Like yeah. that feeling is universal. And, yeah. you know, if you are in a nice area where you are the outlier, you're not, you know, you're living in the ugly place people are going to make fun of you. It's not different than today. You know, you're, you, if you have difference and people pick up on you because of those difference, it's the feeling of not belonging. I, I think that um, it, it was part of many years. Um, sure. it, it was part of the voices in my head. I'm not good enough. I'm, a, you know, I, 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 I live in an ugly shack or I do this and I do that. And, somehow taming that voice internally is so important yep because you you might have those voices but there are other voices that become louder like my teacher's words you know happiness is a choice became so much louder than i'm not good enough yeah yeah so so in this moment in the hotel you mm -hmm. you eat this amazing and the guy the guy didn't even know you but he said sit no. down and have breakfast and yeah and and did you ever see him again i mean he he worked in the company he was an oh. executive oh okay yeah. okay yeah so so you you sat down you had breakfast you look around you start visualizing yourself as a businesswoman like this woman with the computer and yeah. and and that was a moment where life changed for you. So you left the hotel that day. You go back to your office, and what happened from there? You know, where? How did things start shifting for you? Okay, so again, um, it did not happen overnight, but every no, step right. reveal. So the right. first thing that I did, um, I joined English lessons. And that because I couldn't afford to pay for a degree in college, but I could pay for a degree. Uh, it, it was a it, it was a um, university degree for two years, just English. So, okay. you know that I don't know out of it came out of nowhere. It's I'm sure it's not out of nowhere, but that guidance and that english was the the way for me to go so i joined those those um classes and i was there for two years so now i'm 19. Oh. wow and, and i remember the, what's the native language spanish spanish yeah spanish okay so Welcome. i and you know again that feeling of you don't belong like i have I almost I almost failed English when in high school because I I was so different for me and I never listened to music in English like it was there there were so many things that I could say 
um, challenged me with English. Yeah. So when yeah. I joined this course or this, this you know, two-year program, I was, again, the worst <laughs> in the class. Yeah. And, um, but that, that motivated me to, to go better and do it and, and keep going. Yeah. And so I did that at night. So I, during the day I work from eight to five and then I'll, you know, get a ride or someone will give me a ride or I'll take a tr public transportation, which was horrible in Venezuela, yeah. but I will do that. And I will go to this place that was like almost two hours away from my job. Wow. And I will go to class from 7 to 9.30 p.m. And then I will go back home, which was almost two hours away. So I'll be home by 11.30 p.m. And then I, the next day I'll just do it again. Wow. And So um, you did that for two years. You ended up getting a degree in English. Right? Yes. And yes. then what? Where'd you go from there? So then in my, the week like the last week of my English program, I just remember uh, I was in on the bus and in Venezuela, you know, usually at peak hours, the transportation is so crowded that I remember I was almost hanging by the door. Oh my you know, God. I, I don't know if you've seen crowded buses oh, uh, yeah. in South yeah. America. So I'm, I'm there and I'm, it's a Thursday night and I'm thinking, literally i'm like i don't know what my next step is wow. like what what's next for me i i need a sign and ken i'm not kidding you the boss stops because of the traffic and i glance to my right side and i see a big sign and it says today is the last day enroll now so i got off the bus uh. and i went to check out what was that and that was a technical college. And I, I remember entering and there was someone in the lobby. And I'm like, what, what is this about? And she You didn't even know what it was? I didn't know. I didn't. <laughs> I swear. I was like, what? Oh what? And, I, and she's like, okay, this is a, a technical degree. Um, and it's a three-year degree. And it costs this much. And starts classes start on Monday. And I, I just remember, like, I have no money. I, I was like, how, how am I going to pay for it? I, I was like, somehow not worry about that part. I just love what she told me. And I said, sign me up. Wow. And I signed up. And I remember um, that night going back home and I'm like, how am I going to tell my mom that I signed up for this? Like my mom was waiting, you know, for me to get off this English program so i will have more income so i was paying groceries rent i mean we're, there were yeah. there was so much that i was um doing and i have to come home and tell her oh by the way i joined a, a degree that i have not even know how am i gonna pay for it wow but i did it anyway and when you do things like that i believe there is a force that uh, energy i mean i believe for me, it's God. It's, I call it mediocito yeah. in Spanish. And it, I mean, what is it? It's like Dios means God in Spanish. Dios? But a, a kind Dios. Uh-huh. Okay. It's God in Spanish. And yeah. I just, for me, it's Diosito. It's like my my God, my, uh, you know, that, that person is so close to my heart. And that guided me every single step of the way. And... I remember just 
you know, joining the program, started classes on Monday, and about few weeks after, not even a month, I got someone from uh, Heinz have moved to another company to craft. And he called me and said, hey, they are looking for a secretary in the IT department. And I think you'll be great for that. So I can hook you for an interview. And I went for the interview. I got the job. And the job had, I mean, it was a, a full-time position at Kraft. Wow. So that allowed me to pay for my degree and continue, you know, supporting my mom. And my so you family. were making more money. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 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 So <laughs> yeah. And this is, you're still in Venezuela at that I'm point. still in Venezuela. Yeah. Okay. So I worked in craft for three years and I work as a, as I was the secretary of the IT department. Then I move into like the help desk area. So um, I started, I love computers and I started to learn and um, the same happened. Someone from Kraft left the company and went to work for Pepsi, Pepsi Cola. <laughs> and then she, they needed a, an IT person and she called, he's like, you'll be great for this. And wow. I went to, to that to that interview i got the job and i started you know a new position at pepsi wow that and i worked there for three years wow uh, three four years yeah so again always evolving and always and, and wait now go back to the uh, the technical college did you finish yeah. your degree there i finished my degree okay. and then i said well okay i need to become an engineer like i need to like finish <laughs> of this. course right and I look for a program that accredited me a portion of the degree. So I only had to do two years and I graduated as a system engineer um, at, you know, one of the universities in Venezuela. Yeah. Most engineers don't have a, 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 a personality like you have. <laughs> <laughs> but, you've been, you know, I think, <clears throat> you know, in my first book, I wrote a line that I think Dr. Wayne Dyer said at one point, um, and that is pain is the pe the predecessor of all wisdom. And, yeah. you know, you went through it. I mean, you went through a lot of stuff. And when I say that people in America can't relate, what I mean is people in America cannot relate to living in a shack. Like yeah. most, I, I mean, I don't, I'm sure there's there's some people in remote areas that that have yeah. lived in shacks, but probably not on that level, with yeah. no running water. No, I mean, did yeah. was there even a bathroom? It doesn't sound like there was a bathroom. No, there was no bathroom. There was a latrine about sixty feet away from the house. Oh my god! And um, it was what? it was a much smaller shack. It had a a tiny, tiny door. And, uh, you know, that one moment, I, I just got to share these because um, sometimes we don't know the connections, Kim. Um, I was I, I was so embarrassed to go to the bathroom every single day. Like oh I, I, I remember looking through the window when the kids were not there so I can go to the bathroom because everyone will know when I go to the bathroom and I just didn't oh want another another reason for people to make fun of me. Wow. So this one time 
um, I really can't hold it. I'm like, oh my God. And then there are these kids in front of my house and I just, but I can't, and I just have to go to the bathroom. So as I am walking by, um, they start yelling, of course, and mocking. And um, I remember they will say, oh, you have to take a bus to go to the bathroom. Like, look at you. And, you know, wow. kids are just kids. You know, sometimes um, don't realizing how mean sometimes those comments and how hurtful they are. Wow. So I, I'm just, I get to the bathroom and I remember I close the door and in about, I don't know, not even a minute, somehow the wind blows the door off. And I'm there. It's, I mean, it's uh. just embarrassed, but it was like a moment where I wanted to die. I was like, uh, wow. And um, it is that privacy thing and how I relate to what I do today. I mean, privacy. Yeah, and right. Privacy and security. And I think those themes have so ingrained in me mm. because of the exposure that I had early wow. on in my life and how much I appreciate privacy today and going through all the things that we go in life. So, so that, which I can't even, I cannot even imagine, but so, so, and no, 99.999% of the world can't imagine going through something like that. So, wow. Um, so, so you, so you, you, now you're at back to the, where, you know, mm -hmm. you're at Pepsi, you're, yep. you're, you're pursuing and, or had you already gotten the engineering degree or you decided that? No, I was starting my engineering degrees okay. and then I moved to Pepsi, bought a beer company. So okay. Pepsi became Coca-Cola in Venezuela. That was yeah. a fascinating case if, um, where Pepsi uh, franchise was bought by Coca-Cola. And all of a wow. sudden, you know, we became Coca-Cola. Wow. And Coca-Cola was building um, a beer company in Venezuela. So they were... And I, I was moved to, to be part of that um, build up of the new factory. So okay. um, that I finished my engineering degree while working on the on this new beer company. And I learned a ton and it was an incredible experience to be part of, a, you know, building something from the ground zero. So so now you but like you live in the United States now and, and how did you end up here from your living in Venezuela? And I want to like in Venezuela, there's, isn't it a, a worn torn country? I mean, isn't there a lot of, is there a lot of violence there and wars or. Absolutely. There's a lot of violent violence. In fact, um, I was kidnapped. I was 23 years old. I was kidnapped. We what? don't have to go through that story. Yeah. No, yes, mean... we do. What? Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. So I was in college. You were kidnapped? I was still in college. Oh, my God. And I God. was in a student um, residency. And I just remember waiting for, I had a boyfriend at the time. It was um, before, um, it was Easter week. It was Wednesday. And I was waiting. Like in Venezuela, everyone, um, it's on vacation Thursday and Friday during Eastern time. 
So I was waiting for my boyfriend to pick me up. And I went, you know, houses in, in, in that case, that house, a uh, student house, um, had a porch and there were bars. Like most of the houses will have that. Wow. So I, I was waiting for, for this boyfriend. Uh, his name was Jose. And he I, I think it was like he he was probably five minutes away from where I was. So I was almost ready to get going. And one of my co-workers drew by my house. Think about being in the wrong place at the wrong time. So this guy drives by. He looks, you know, he sees me in the porch of the house. He rolls the window down and he asked me, Sandra, are you okay? Did, is everything okay? And the moment he said that, he he has a pointing going in his head and I have one too. And the guy, there were two guys behind a tree that was by the house, uh, you know, by the student house. And wow. we both were um, um, pushed to the back seat of the car. And they, both of the guys, you know, one was on the front seat driving and the other one was on the, on the, on the other uh, passenger seat. And they started driving and they started to talk about how they would kill us. And it was, it was oh. intense. So for seven hours, we drove back and forth. That was... Oh. Wow. And about 3 a.m. in the morning, they stopped the car. And I thought somehow this is the day. Um, they said, get off the car, you know, face, you know, you're facing the back, you know, their back. I remember the, the one thing I, before I, I, I say what happened, um, the guy that had the gun in my head, he said to me, close your eyes. Don't look at me. And I did that. I just... Uh, close my eyes i never open my eyes and i go to you know get off the car i have my eyes closed and i'm just waiting for the shot in my back oh my god wow when wow. i hear the tires of the car going and um it, we started running we ran for about three hours because they left us in a very desert area oh um, my god and we got home and um, now that was one of the scariest moments for me, Ken. I'm, I can't even imagine. And, you know, but what happened, I think that next was to me what was the defining moment again. And I, and I can, you know, every, everything that happens, no matter how bad it is, some, sometimes brings a message too. And it's looking into that. Um, about a month after the um, the car issue, the car was actually a company car. So um, we are asked by the police to go to the station, and wow. because they have captured one of the guys and they found the car, and they wanted us to ID this guy and. I didn't want to go, but I had to go. So, and I remember my coworker and I go to the place and we enter the police station and the chief police officer look at me as I enter. And he, I will never remember. I, I will never forget how, you know, he said it. He said, Kido, why are you alive? You must have a 
guardian angel that is wow. so powerful because you shouldn't be here. Wow. And I was like, what? So we, we went to the car and the car was, you know, had holes everywhere from the shooting that the police and these guys had. Oh, my God. And the police said, you know, these guys were professionals. I mean, they were part of an organized crime ring oh. that they usually steal um, armor cars. They have done this in every city. And this is the first time they left someone alive. Like they have done this so many times. I don't know how. I don't know why you two are here. And he said, he looked at me and said, you, there must be a reason. You. Oh my God. Oh my God. Wow. So, wow. In that moment, you had to feel like, okay, there's something way bigger for my life. Absolutely. And that's the, that defining moment that I said, it's like, yes, I'm scared. Yes. I, I you know, I didn't want to get off out of my bed, like not even in my bed. Like I was under my bed. Like I wanted not to be out of my house. Um, but I realized there is so much more that I have to do. I mean, I, and there is a force much greater than me that is watching out for me. So somehow the fears, you know, disappear when you yeah. move on. It's like, you know, what they holy say, holy. Like, courage wow. is not, you know, it's not that like you are not afraid. It's like you do it anyway. Right. Right. Wow. Sandra, I had, I, well, I, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I've seen your Ted talk and you don't talk about that. No. Holy crap. So, so wow. I am just completely blown away. Jill, my wife, you know, Jill, um, she's on here. She said, I cannot believe what you've been through yet another pivotal moment. Thank you. Jeez, I'm sitting here on the verge of tears. This is unbelievable. So, so you, um, wow. Okay. So, so you asked me, how did I get into the U S yeah. How did you end how up here? Happened, right. So I was working for that beer company that was owned by Coca-Cola. Yeah. I was about 24 by them. And I, you know, I was doing great, but I got a phone call from a headhunter for a job. Um, so I answered the phone call and I go to the interview and, you know, the job, I, you know, I was living about two hours away from Caracas, which is the capital of Venezuela. Yeah. The job was in Caracas. And mm. um, he said, you know what, you, you'll be a great candidate for this job. I cannot tell you what the name of the company is because, you know, I have to just pass the information and, and we'll see what happened. It was a Friday. I remember Monday about 8.30 a.m. I get this phone call. You remember when, when I, I went to Kraft, I mentioned that, I, you know, someone was looking for a job and yeah, got yeah. me an interview. That same person that hired me at 19 years old, as the secretary of the IT for Kraft no. was the hiring manager for SC Johnson, the company. Oh my God. He me. looked at my name and he's like, oh my God, I, I graduated. From, I mean, I, by yeah. then I was graduated and he's like, you have to come to work for me. Oh my God. Um, I, I was like, 
what? <laughs> so anyway, it, it, we made it happen. I moved to Caracas and I started my job at SC Johnson. Wow. And a year later, he relocated to the U.S. So I stay in Venezuela and he was still my boss, you know, my remote bo boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, five years later, I got relocated to. So I, I, I got an offer. To move to, to the U.S.? To move to the U.S., my oh. family and I. Um, it was in 2005. Hold it, so your family, my, your family meaning? My husband. Oh, you see, so you met a, you, uh, okay. You got married along the way. I got married. We, yes. le we left that part out, but okay. Yes, we did. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. I was uh, almost 30 when I married. Wow. So, so yes. <clears throat> okay. So five years later, you, you get relocated to the U S with your family. So you yes. had your husband and did you have children? No, we couldn't. Okay. We, we tried, okay. but we couldn't. And, okay. Um, okay. okay. But so, so you, where did you land in the U.S.? So we moved to the Midwest, to the to to, to Wisconsin, where the headquarter of the company was located. Wow! <laughs> from Venezuela. <coughs> I'm sorry. So, so yes, you from, from Venezuela. Venezuela to Wisconsin? Yes, I did. Oh my dear Lord, have mercy. <laughs> So you yes. got to experience cold for a change and snow. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. And and then again, um, another pivotal moment happened. Can like again, it's like you you get into this and then boom, something flips your life upside down. And that was the year after I moved. When um, I was returning from visiting my mom when Homeland Security officers walk me out of the plane. Yes, let's talk about that. But first, Tom Ginn lives in Wisconsin. He says, then you ah! know Oconomowoc? Of course, I know that. Yeah, of that's course, where he Tom. lives. Yeah, I was watching. near Milwaukee, yes. Yeah. So, okay, talk about the next pivotal, pivotal <laughs> moment. Um, yeah because it's unbelievable like this is yeah. the this is the story that i told everybody you're not going to believe but holy crap you may have topped it with the kidnapping story holy <laughs> moly but but go go ahead and and tell everybody first set it up where why were you where were you why were you on a plane what were you doing i was visiting my mom in so venezuela my mom was in Colombia at the time. Oh, Colombia. Okay. Yeah, she moved from Venezuela to Colombia, okay. where her relatives are. And um, it was the year, you know, right after the, the winter, the survival of my winter. Um, so I went um, and I was returning home, just landing in Miami. My husband was waiting for me in Chicago. And the captain announces that Homeland Security officers were boarding the plane. I don't think, you know, anything. I just hand, I remember handing them my passport and war visa. And next thing I know, I'm the only passenger march off the plane. And escorted into the room. And, you know, that, that room experience um, was something I never experienced before. Wow. I have, um, for 10 hours, I was there. Um, 10 hours? 
10 hours. Yes. And, and were husband, you being, were you being questioned for 10 hours or you were just sitting there? Well, you, you were questioned a little bit, but then you had to sit and wait and they were investigating. I didn't know what, what they were investigating. Like I had no idea what's going on. My husband, it's in Chicago. He doesn't know where I am. And you know, the plane I'm, I'm supposed to be landing on from Miami to Chicago, I'm not in. And you know, many hours, yeah, I think probably almost nine hours later, I begged, I, you know, one of the TSA agents to let me call my husband and let him know I'm okay. Um, so it was a woman and she said, okay, call him. And I was able to tell him that, hey, I don't know when I'm coming home, but I'm, I'm okay. Wow. And I, about I, 3 a.m. in the morning, I landed in Chicago. Before but, that. Yeah, I what happened? Say, what were they questioning happened? you about? They did not question. They did not. I mean, they did question, but they did not provide any answers. What they did can, they revoked my passport and my what? visa. Yeah. So they just had a big red stamp and they said, you have to leave the country. So they let me go home, but I have to leave right away. So I, I because my employer, S.C. Johnson was, um, did all my papers and everything. I have to engage the attorneys and we started this process. We left my husband and I right away and went back to Venezuela. Oh my God. Did you and lose your job? I I didn't lose my job. So I went back right away to, to feed, to try to get a new visa. So that was, so the, the attorneys work out, um, you know, for me to go to another interview in the U S embassy in Venezuela. So I remember walking to, you know, getting into the embassy with my husband and the security officer in the embassy is, is interviewing me and he's asking me you know why were you in china who do you know in china who's your contact i'm what? like i've never been to china like I, I i i don't know any i don't have any contacts I, why are you asking me questions why you know why was i taking off the plane and i'm asking him please tell me and he said well <clears throat> Somehow a smuggler in China is using your identity to smuggle women into the U.S. What? Yep. And that's what, why I was taking off that plane. They thought you were smuggling women into the U.S.? No, women were trying to be me entering the U.S. Oh. So somebody stole my all my, my identity. So my name, like at the time when I Googled my name, Ken, everything was in Chinese and I own companies between uh. China and Latin America. And it, I remember seeing my name and limited at the end, like a limited company yeah. or incorporated and it will just be Chinese, oh everything in Chinese. And Oh my God. You know, that lasted six years. That's that identity theft uh, nightmare because I have to prove every single time I travel that I was really me. Oh my God. Every single time that I went to, um, to TSA, I was sent to the room and I could be there for an hour or 10 or five, whatever. Oh my gosh. So of course you realize can nobody wanted to travel with me. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right. None of my coworkers, nobody. 
they were like, we're going to be late for the meetings. Yeah, <laughs> like, they were like, why don't you go the day before? And we'll meet you there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, wow. Um, so, wow, wow, wow. Okay, so you, this lasted for six years. Mm -hmm. Did you ever, well, obviously you made it back to the U.S., but in that six-year period, did you have to stay in Venezuela? No, no, I, oh. I was able to return. Actually, I, so they gave me my new visa. How quickly? No, right. I mean, right away when I oh. went to the interview, I convinced them. I'm like, I'm not a smuggler. Look at me. Oh. What I did not know <laughs> is that every single time I travel, I have to prove I was me. Oh, my God. That happened. And, um, you know, at the time, it almost broke my marriage and my career and, and my oh. mental health. Because imagine every single time that you travel, you have to prove that you are you. And imagine, in my case, um, because everything was tied to my my employment. So my husband was unable to work for almost two years. Oh and now gosh. he had an amazing career in Venezuela. He was a professor. And here we are. He's unable to work. And it, it was just very, wow. very, very um, not, 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 a, good. not a person experience. And, and that happens with identity theft. And we don't sometimes think about, you know, we lose information, but there's so much more that we lose, Ken. Yeah. Wow. With, with that. So, and I, I have a little bit, not, so I have people that steal my pictures and create thousands of fake profiles all over the world on, on every form of social media. And, and I called the FBI one time and I said, the cyber crimes division because some woman yep. reached out that had lost $40,000 to a scammer using my pictures. And yep. I said, I said to the FBI agent, well, well, this is crazy. There's so many I get, I probably get on average five to 10 people a day that reach out to me and say, Hey, this guy's yep. using your, your, and, and you know, I know they're scammers now, but five, six years ago when it first happened, I was like, what? You know, now it's like, yeah, I know they're out there everywhere. But the FBI basically said there's nothing we can do about it because we get over. Are you there? Ken? Yeah, Hello? I think my my Internet just had a hiccup. Sorry. Okay. Um, yeah, but the um, anyway, it's a serious. Now that's not the same as what you went through. It's not exactly the same, right? Yeah, but but still, it's something so precious to you because yes. your identity. I mean, and if yeah. anyone is impersonating you and yeah. doing things on your behalf, is so. Yeah. Uh, it's. I mean, not only scary, but it's not. It's not something that, you know, you, you want people to experience relating no. to you. No, I, I, no, I, I agree. And I, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. Like there, I does, it feels like that at least, you know, the FBI, when the FBI says there's really not a whole lot we can do, it's like, what you're the FBI. So, so talk about what happened for you though, in that moment when, when, um, I mean, good Lord, talk about a, a, an awakening, gee, many. So where did things go for you from that point? 
Like you were still working with SC Johnson. I was still, and I was in technology. I was in IT. Yeah, and yeah. That was my. That's why I was transfer, and um, I, um, being in IT not necessarily mean that you know about cybersecurity. I had no idea. I, right. I had no idea that that was an identity theft. I have no idea what I could do. I just remember there was not a lot of information, not a lot of resources available to that I can go and ask questions or that I can speak with someone that someone could help me with that. Yeah. Um, wow. And I just had, you know, I thought I had just to endure this and um, that's it. And one day we'll, you know, it'll go over. And six years later, I became a U.S. citizen. So I changed my name and I was able to, with a new identity, start all over with my new passport and oh. all the, yeah. So it's like my, 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 my native name or my, you know, in Venezuela, you have two names and two last names. All of that is behind and oh. um, with that that took care of that issue but wow. this is another moment kent that you know it's just like somebody's writing a script up there <laughs> that's how i feel sometimes life happens yeah. for us and through us yeah. um a year after i became a u.s citizen i got an opportunity to enter the world of cybersecurity. so to shift my job from it to cybersecurity. And I felt like somebody turned the light on on my brain. Because I finally realized, you know, this is what happened, you know, cybercrime and identity theft. This is it. And wow. Learn, I mean, work for the corporate, you know, for, for SC Johnson and then left SC Johnson. I work as a consultant building privacy program and cybersecurity programs. And I really develop a passion for for the topic because it was not about just the expert view of cyber or cyber crime or you know cyber security but it was the being on the side of a victim being of a side of someone that experienced it right right so yeah wow so whoops my my mouse is acting up now. Um, so so, where are you now? What are you doing now? Like what? How? Yeah. What are you doing now? And I do want to pop your website up for people to check you out and Thank and you. learn more about you. But talk about what you're doing now. So yeah. So you know, as a result of really understanding my stories, I I, I think you that that moment when um you know choose happiness no matter what yeah somehow came back and i i chose um happiness and i decided to open my own company and and really create something that it's a different voice in the world of cyber and um i believe that when when we combine the things that we're passionate about in my case, I'm very passionate about with well-being practices. And, you know, we there, there is a whole chapter <laughs> that we can go about health that, yeah. um, you know, we're not even touching. But losing your health, you know, just going through that path and, and the recovery and, and, the, and the things that you learn 
Yeah. Um, allow in, in my case, allow me to, to create something different, to create something that combines my stories, that combines my passion for well-being with cybersecurity and, and gives a different message. Because I do believe that there is a lot that we can do. I mean, I, I do believe that we are in charge and somehow we think we we only can be in the victim side, but I believe we cannot be there. Like we actually can become the victor of it. And you know, a simple a simple example of this is when you get an email, when you get a message, you have the choice to click or not to click. And you feel, you know, when you start feeling that you are empowered and you can just delete or do this or do that, like there's so much power that you have at your fingertips. And that's yeah. why, you know, I, I am passionate about sharing that message because it's an empowering message. I think there is a lot we can do. And I think it's it's just changing the mindset about cyber and not being victims. So are you, are you, um, are you working with companies or with individual people? So I have a series of books. Um, have the Happily Ever Cyber books for for individual. Do you, you have copies of your books that you can show people right now? Absolutely. Yes, I, I got that. Is that okay? Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. So. Yeah. Um, and your your branding is is on point <laughs> by the way i love Thank your branding this is my book heavily ever cyber how to protect yourself against hackers scammers and cyber monsters wow and um you know then i i created a book series for children which it's a coloring book series that um, uses the stories that children know mm. and love mm -hmm. to teach them about cyber. Because I, I believe that when if we start early, you know, we start developing that mindset about cyber safety and kids four to eight years old um, can enjoy cyber, can enjoy family time. And then I have a book, um, an online course that also teaches about combining well-being practices with cybersecurity and it's in my website. You're Sandra, saying you said combining what practices? Well-being practices. Well-being, um, well-being. Okay. Well you know, why is that, Ken? You know, one of the things that when I think about why my identity was stolen, like, you know, you go to your life and it's easy to look back and connect the dots, right? Like yeah, yeah. Steve Jobs says. And when I connected the dots, the common thing for me was I was very distracted. I, I, was, I was the kind of person that um, didn't even remember what I was wearing the day before or what, what did I eat the day before. And there is a right. reason for that. I think living in that shack, I zoomed out my reality. Like I didn't want to see where I was. Yeah. And because of that, I, I got used to not paying attention to anything around me. Mm. And wow. somehow that um, with the craziness of my job and, and you know, yeah. go, 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 go. Like I always was um, racing. You know, my mind was always racing. I was always like, like doing a thousand things at the yeah. same time. 
and living like that, never taking a moment to to breathe, <laughs> right, right, and and I think that's what is you know today when I look at the world of cyber, you know, if we take that moment before we click into something and just pause and let that inner inner cyber that we all have kick in that can change how cyber crime happens because it, it really it's on to us like we have that choice yep <clears throat> people don't realize that you know and i i've been in technology for 28 years so you know i know little i don't know what you know about it but i know enough to to know that um, you know, I, I am the one that gets the phone calls from family members going, my computer says that I have to call this 800 number to, and I'm like, no, don't click that. Do not call it. It's a scam. I'm telling you, don't do it. You have spyware on your computer and, yeah. and, you know, people don't realize that clicking on some things is really, really not, not good. And if you're, if all of a sudden your Google browser that you're used to searching Google starts redirecting to another website, another search engine, you have spyware on your computer and, and, and it needs to be cleaned and removed. And, you know, so, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> pardon me. Um, but people, so people don't realize what is, and they're getting very, very sophisticated. Absolutely. And that's exactly why I'm, I'm passionate about bringing the message. Yeah. Because what I realize is if you if you give technical jargon or if you give them overwhelming information, like I remember, you know, how overwhelming it can feel like and when you take step by step and you, you engage and you relate. I yeah. think that when you relate at a personal level, it can really change the way you see cyber and it doesn't become this boring and dreading thing that you have to do. It actually becomes part of your day. Right. Right. Amazing story, Sandra. So everybody watching, make sure you go to sandrasdoc.com. It is scrolling across the bottom of the screen right now. And is 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 your social media linked from from your website so people can it follow is. you? Yeah, they, it is. Okay. absolutely. Um, Sandra, you have one of the most incredible life stories I think I've ever heard. I've never I I've never met somebody that was kidnapped at gunpoint and thrown into the back of a car. That that is unbelievable in and of itself, but. You lived in a shack. You've you were evicted from a shack. You've been through so much stuff that people just in the U.S. at least people can't cannot relate to that. And and it's it's so amazing that now the room you're sitting in currently is probably bigger than the shack you you lived in for many years. Absolutely, and you know I have six bathrooms now in my home. <laughs> Um, wow. So, you know, when you think about life every single day, when I wake up, my heart is just full of gratitude, I'm nothing sure. else. Because when you just, just appreciating so much, but you have like every single time I go to the bathroom, 
I just, I'm so grateful that I have a toilet. I'm so grateful I can flush that toilet. I am so grateful, you know, there's a faucet. You know, the amount of things that I'm grateful for and grateful in is just incredible. And I think when you live in gratitude, things change, your life change, your energy change, and the people that attract, that you're attracted to, it's incredible. And um, I think that's, that's why... I love sharing my story is you out there. I mean, and if I can do it, anyone can do it. Like you are in the most amazing country in the planet. And this country has given me so much and I love it. And wow. the opportunities that we have are for us to take and for us to be in charge of them. Just, wow. you know, see yourself in them, whatever, whatever is that you dream that you would love just start seeing yourself in it and it will, it will happen. Yeah. Have, yes. Have you, oh, have, have, yes. Have you ever, have, <laughs> I, I can't even like, you know, you talked about the story of when you were using the latrine and, and embarrassed to even use the, and, and the wind rips the door open or off or whatever. And, 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 you know, like there's those moments where you're like, I'm in my bathroom in my home, one of six bathrooms, and there's no chance the wind is taking the door off. <laughs> like, it's yes. amazing. Your story is absolutely incredible. It's just Thank incredible. You. I really encourage everybody to make sure you look up Sandra, go to her website, follow her everywhere on social media. This woman is incredible. And you're you're part of of Craig and I's event, the Turn It Up event. You're going to be there, and yes. so mind boggling to me that like because it's you know it's not the most expensive event in the world, but it's certainly not inexpensive. And and here you are, this 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 little girl from Venezuela that has paved the way of life in in America for yourself and. And you are just, you're incredible. I'm, I'm so honored to, to, and you're here in Ohio. Yes, I am. <laughs> We're going to meet soon. I know <laughs> we have to, we have to. Sandra, thank you so much for coming mm. on and sharing your beautiful heart and your story. And <clears throat> wow, it, it, it was powerful. If you're just joining or you join late, make sure you go back and watch the replay um, this is just such a powerful story and, and it's just evidence that, you know, you, you talked about earlier that you, you sat in the restaurant having for the first time in your life, having, I'm sure the best meal you'd ever had, um, and at the buffet at the hotel and you started envisioning yourself as a businesswoman you started envisioning yourself with that laptop computer and all the stuff and 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 it happened you manifested that into your life it's incredible such an incredible story thank you thank you it's been a privilege to be here with you ken and i cannot uh, thank you enough for for the work that you do because your story is as incredible as mine. And I just read your book, which is oh, fascinating. And I love it. Um, you know, you. I love how much gratitude also plays into your life. And yeah. like, I think, you know, soul 
made people. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, the synchronicities of 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 gratitude or, and the and the energy of gratitude will attract you to to the same. And yeah, it does. And, and, you know, it's it's a secret, powerful um, tool that we all can have. It's if I can crazy that it's a secret, though. It's crazy that it blows my mind. It blows, but so if I can just give you one, you know, advice, and and, and just like uh, something that I practice every single day, I said, uh, you know, I invite you to incorporate it, and is every single time you touch your phone, think about something or someone you're grateful for, or something that you appreciate. I mean, we touch our phones almost three hundred and forty four times a day yep. this is almost every five minutes and if you only do that a few times imagine how powerful your life and your transformation be i mean that's what i do every single day i love that that's amazing i love that become consciously aware yeah i i love that i love 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 that Sandra Estock, you are now one of my favorite humans. Oh, likewise. Thank you. Thank and you. Jill R for me. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're amazing. Everybody watching, please share this out. Sandra has a very powerful story that can change the lives of so many people. So many people. Tom Ginn wants to have you on his show as well. I will love oh. to. Thank you. Yes. He, he has. Do you know what G for says? Do you know what G stands for? No. It's not Gin. It's gratitude. Oh, gratitude force. I love it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Tom yes. Is, Tom's a friend of mine. He's amazing. So I will connect you guys and, and um, you can be on his show as well. So thank you. I love your story. So thank you for being here. I'm going to end the live stream now. Everybody watching, please share this out. This is such a powerful story. And, oh, gosh. And and when you get a chance, go to YouTube and look up Sandra's TED Talk. She did a TED Talk that's just amazing. So go, go watch her TED Talk as well. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thank you so much, Sandra. Thank you. God bless you. And we will see you all later. Thanks so much. Bye.